MashaAllah, we had a beautiful recitation of Surah Al-Kahf by our young Hafiz who recently completed his hiv. Those of you who are here on the day of Arafah, he also did a full recitation to his teacher in the masjid from the beginning Surah Al-Fatiha all the way till Nas on the day of Arafah. And we had a special dua as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase him in his knowledge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve the Quran in his heart. Um, this is this is what we want. We want to encourage our youth. We want to encourage our young to come forward uh, and to present and to put themselves forward. And these opportunities are given, alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward the masjid management for allowing such, such a thing, which is quite unknown. Generally, it's very difficult uh, to convince people to you know, be open-minded in these kind of things. So alhamdulillah, that's a blessing. We're all blessed with as a community to have people with that kind of vision and understanding who allow for such things for our children to prosper. And this is not the only way children can prosper. Alhamdulillah, there are many other functions going on uh, behind the scenes, I would say. We have scouts every Monday for young children. There's the karate sessions. There's the Arabic classes that take place. There's the homeless shelter drive, which happens a few days a week. And so many young people are involved. Um, I think there's more people involved in those activities than actually we see here uh, in the actual masjid. So may Allah subhanahu, and, and this is just a few of them uh, which I've listed. There's many, many other things taking place. Please, please do take part, brothers. Again, for sisters as well. There's a lot going on uh, for sisters as well. Alhamdulillah, throughout the period of the Commonwealth, we've got Team Islam uh, involved as part of the volunteers who are supporting uh, and helping people who are coming to the Commonwealth, especially raising awareness, part of the Dawah project, working in combination with places like Asufa and other masajid that are part of Team Islam. We have a great exhibition, the Islamic exhibition for the Commonwealth and Team Islam. Is our, our masjid upstairs? I would definitely recommend everybody takes a moment to go and see it. And if you know any non-Muslims, work colleagues, neighbors, or anybody who's attending the Commonwealth Games, um, ask them to come over. Uh, there's a lot of time you'll see that people just in the, in the free time, the games aren't going on throughout the whole day. Uh, and people are roaming the streets. People want to learn more about Birmingham and what it has to offer. And if you've seen the highlights, if you've been there, you see most of it, it you'll see Muslims. Uh, when they showcase Birmingham, you see Muslims. You see Asians. So Muslims, people, will, people are interested at the moment. This is an opportunity for us to present our way of life, our Islam, our beautiful religion. And people are genuinely interested. They've not come with spite, they've not come with hatred, they've come with a lot of love. And they, they're liking what they're seeing. They're seeing the people of Birmingham are very friendly, they're very kind. And they, they, they're talking about you. They're not talking about just the non-Muslims. In this particular area where we've got the Commonwealth taking place, it's predominantly over here. We've seen that a lot of Muslims around here. So this is a great opportunity. I definitely recommend, alongside the rest of the exhibition, which gives you information about Islam, there are certain models upstairs which are very unique. And you normally only find them in like places like Medina Munawwara, where they've got the Islamic Museum. So I'm quite fascinated that some of these models are here upstairs. Uh, one of them actually shows you uh, the original Kaaba and inside the Kaaba, how it looks, there's a model. Um, there's also the, a, a model of the original Masjid Nabi of the Prophet How the Prophet Masjid looked uh, in the original times using the exact materials that were used by the Prophet the Sahaba. Something very insightful as well. And there's a third one as well which shows the... Um, 
the mud masjid in Africa. Um, again, this is something different as well, um, that you get to see how people in impoverished areas who don't have the facilities that we have, even they are going out of their way and how they are trying to make the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as beautiful as possible. So please do take advantage of all of these services that are being provided by the masjid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward everybody and accept everybody. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-lazeen astafa amma ba'd. Fa'audhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-Nabiyya. Ayyuhu al-lazeena amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima recycled al-Jaleed. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد I normally have like a note card in front of me you probably noticed today I don't have one that doesn't mean I'm not prepared I think I'm over prepared sometimes you read um, and you read so much and then you just kind of get lost. Today's one of those days. So I, I've been preparing like since a number of days now, and especially today as well. And there's a, so much to say, so much not to say. Should we speak about this topic? Should we not speak about this topic? Those of you who were here on this day last year, um, we had a very interesting discussion in Juma, um, And that was something totally different. Um, so, to, so, so what, what we're going to do then, uh, I think I'm just going to talk to you, just general. Um, and these are just thoughts that have come about after reading up about Muharram and studying the hadith of the Prophet and then our understanding of it. So one thing that's come to mind is, do you know in Dhul Hijjah we've been saying this and we discussed this many times in Dhul Hijjah that the virtues of Dhul Hijjah, um, the significance of it, the history of it, is there's so much there, but we seem to be so far from uh, appreciating its greatness. So when Ramadan comes, we're all hyped up, we're all excited, we're all engaged with Ramadan, and we see the people flocking for Taraweeh, the Suhoor, the Iftar, and just that spirit's there. And when we were told in Dhul Hijjah that the first 10 days of Dhul Hijjah are more significant than the last 10 days of Ramadan, it, it's, it, it's kind of at the moment, it's still words. We've, you've probably heard it so many times just from myself, you've probably heard it from so many other people. But I personally repeated it on so many occasions. But it's still not, I don't think it's resonated. I don't think it's resonated with me yet, let alone everybody else. What I mean it's not resonated is, of course we believe in it, it's a hadith. There's no doubt in it whatsoever. But the truthfulness of grasping and digesting what it's saying and putting it into action and, 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 and kind of you making that effort that just like we make an effort for Ramadan, we make this effort in Dhul Hijjah, especially during the first days, first 10 days. We didn't, we've not quite seen that. What we do see, Alhamdulillah, is an increase in awareness. So Alhamdulillah, that's there. And we should be grateful for that. That there's more information available. People are becoming more aware and more inclined. And we hope that as the years go by, we'll begin to appreciate Dhul Hijjah much more. 
and try and worship Allah much more because there are no good deeds which are done and more beloved to Allah than those done in Dhul Hijjah. But it doesn't end with Dhul Hijjah. The Quran tells us that in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the iddata shuhuri indallah, ithna ashara shahran fi kitabillah minha arba'atun hurum. So the Quran mentions that there are 12 months and from the 12 months, four of these months are sacred. And when we speak about sacred months, may I shared something a few days ago on social media regarding the four sacred months. And the one common question that I got back from a lot of people, what about Ramadan? What about Ramadan? This is, this is the common question I got back from a lot of people, the same thing. And I, I, I'm assuming a lot of you are thinking the same as well. From the four sacred months, one of them should be Ramadan. But what's interesting, it isn't. Ramadan is a blessed month. It's an important month. It's the month of fasting. It's the month of the Quran. It's a month of virtue. But these sacred months are in addition to Ramadan. So Alhamdulillah, we should feel so blessed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not just given us Ramadan to make the most of and to draw close to him. There are many other opportunities as well. So these are Ashhurul Hurum, the four sacred months. Um, three of them that come consecutively, Dhul Qa'da, Dhul Hijjah, Muharram, the one we're in now, and which is the other one? Rajab. And then we've got, of course, we have the month of Rabi al Awwal, where the Prophet was born. He also passed away. So almost throughout the year, there are many, many opportunities for you and I to draw close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's just take Muharram as an example. So Muharram, first of all, we know it's one of the sacred months. Now, what I found very profound, which you don't find with any other month. So let's just stick to Muharram now. Regarding Muharram, the hadith says that Muharram is known as Shahrullah. Shahrullah. What does that mean? Does that mean anything to you? When I say Kitabullah, what does that mean to you? What's Kitabullah? It means the book of Allah. What, which, which is the book of Allah? Are we talking about Torah, Zabur? They're all books of Allah, aren't they? Injil is the book of Allah. But when I say Kitabullah, what am I speaking about? Quran. Yeah, is Quran great? Is Quran amazing? Is Quran the greatest and the best book? Of course it is. Okay, when I say Baytullah, Okay, means house of Allah. Some people know the Arabic. Okay, mudaf mudaf baytullah. Okay, so baytullah. When I say baytullah, what does it mean? It means house of Allah. Okay, are we in the house of Allah? Of course, every masjid is the house of Allah. All masjids are beautiful. We love all of the masajid. Every masjid belongs to Allah. However, when I say baytullah, what am I really referring to? What do you understand? The Kaaba, meaning the best house of Allah. When I said Kitabullah, what was it? It was the best book of Allah. When I said Baytullah, it was the best house of Allah, the Kaaba. What about when I say Rasulullah? How many Rasul were there? Many. 313. When we say Nabiullah, Okay, almost 124,000 approximately prophets. Rasul, about 313. All of them were great. They were amazing. They were excellent in their character. But when I say Rasulullah, what does that mean to you? 
Okay, we're speaking about the best one that ever walked on the surface of this earth. The Imam of all of the Prophets, the most beloved to Allah, our beloved, the Master Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when I'm saying Kitabullah, I'm referring to Quran. When I'm saying Baytullah, I'm referring to what? The Kaaba. When I'm saying Rasulullah, I'm referring to Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is telling you and me, Shahrullah. Shahr means month. The month of Allah. Every month belongs to Allah. Every month belongs to Allah. Every minute belongs to Allah. Every second belongs to Allah. The Prophet said, Don't curse the time. Don't curse the time. You know, you've got, uh, uh, you, you must have seen uh, some of these memes uh, on social media. So you've got like a guy sitting on the toilet, he's got the toilet roll. And the toilet roll is, um, do you know the, the thing you grate your cheese with? The grater, right? And he says, oh, that's 2022, okay? Or the year 2020. And I know we've been through a difficult period, but the Prophet said, don't swear at the time. Because the Prophet said, I am the time. Allah is saying, I am the time. Meaning, this time is everything you have. The time is everything you have. Allah is the time, meaning He has given you the time to make or break. It's what you make of it. The situations will come, they'll come and go. And this is exactly what we're going to learn in the incidents that transpired in this blessed and holy month. So let's come back to this. Kitabullah is the Quran. Baytullah is the Kaaba. Rasulullah is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Shahrullah. When I say month of Allah, which month is it? There's only one month. There's only one month. There is no other month in the year that has been referred to as the month of Allah. Not even Ramadan. Not even Dhul Hijjah. We spoke about Dhul Hijjah being amazing. Over the last couple of months, we've been going on about Dhul Hijjah, Dhul Hijjah, Dhul Hijjah, Dhul Hijjah. But there is only one month in the entire year which has been referred to as Shahrullah, the month of Allah. Which month is it? It's the month that we're in now. Shahrullah al-Muharram. I'm not saying it. Okay, some scholar didn't say it. It's not been taken from some fabricated book or some fairy tale. This is what the Prophet ﷺ told us. That Muharram is the month of Allah. Not just one day, the whole month. What does it mean to be the month of Allah? Meaning in the sight of Allah, this month is very special. It's very sacred. It's very holy. It's venerated. If you do a good deed in this month, it'll be way better than doing in any other month. At the same time, if you commit a sin in this month, it will be much more serious than committing sins in any other month. Why? Because this is the month of Allah. The month of Allah, Shahrullah Al-Muharram. Now, regarding the month of Muharram, there are many other things we learn from the Prophet Wasallam. So one is we know it's the month of Allah. Another thing that we hear, which is very special and unique, the Prophet Wasallam said, Afdalu siyam ba'da shahri Ramadan, Shahrullah Al-Muharram. Fasting. Now we know fasting is one of the greatest acts of worship. We spoke about this last month as well. Where if you read Quran, you can read for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, for half an hour. 
if you do salah, you're going to do two rakat, four rakat, eight rakat. You do dhikr, you'll probably do it for what? 15, 20 minutes or sporadically here and there. You give sadaqah, it's going to be like done and dusted within moments. Fasting is very unique because you start at dawn and you finish at dusk. And every second and moment of that, you are considered as being in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I know it's not very common amongst us to fast out of Ramadan. We need to develop this habit uh, of fasting, optional fasts. It's not something that's... Some people, mashallah, do do it. They fast on Mondays and Thursdays. Some fast on the 13th and the 14th and the 15th. And others fast whenever they can get an opportunity. Uh, however, we need to create this culture of fasting. And if it was up to me, right, I probably wouldn't have fasted at all. Just because, you know, I'm lazy, uh, I'm neglectful. You, you like your food, you, you don't want discomfort. As human beings, we don't like discomfort, we want to be comfortable. How kind and merciful is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That there is so much reward, virtue, and excellence attached to fasting on certain occasions. And one of them is in this particular month. So the Prophet sallallahu tells us that afdalu siyam, the best fast. If you want to keep the best fast, you, you, you've like decided now, I've just heard about fasting and its importance. If you want to keep the best fast after Ramadan, well know that the best fast you can keep after Ramadan is the fast that you keep in Muharram on any day. Not on a particular day, on any day of Muharram. A hadith of Tabarani mentions fasting one day in Muharram is fasting like a month. Okay? But the hadith which is authentic is the best fast after Ramadan or the fast which are done in the month of Allah, which is the month of Muharram. So fasting on any day whatsoever. So that's number one. Then you've got... So that, 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 that's the first thing. Then you've got the particular fast on the day of Ashura. Ashura is the 10th of Muharram. For us, um, it will coincide with Monday, this coming Monday, Monday 10th of Muharram. And fasting on that particular day, right? why should we fast on the 10th of Muharram? And this is something everybody should try and do. It's a sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he says something quite interesting. He says, I have not seen the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam look forward to, anticipate, be very anxious about, and just can't wait to get there kind of attitude. I've never seen him looking forward and searching for a day to fast the way I used to see him looking forward to fasting on the day of Ashura. This is something Ibn Abbas says that the Prophet would be super excited to fast on the day of Ashura. He'd really look forward to it. And Aisha radiallahu tells us that the fast of Ashura was something that was observed by the Quraysh in Mecca as well, pre-Islam. Pre-Islam, now you might think, why would they fast in Ashura? Well, they did Hajj as well. They, they carried out the Hajj. They carried out Aqiqah, for example. You know, when a child is born and he's slaughtering an uh, uh, animal. Uh, okay, these were certain practices from the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So these are some practices which continued from the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And then they got, some of them got distorted along the way. Some of them got abandoned, but some of them were preserved. 
So one of them were the fasting on the day of Ashura from the previous times continued because many significant events happened on that particular day. Historically, it's been mentioned that Nuh alayhi salam, when he was in the flood, the ship and the ark of Nuh alayhi salam settled on the Mount Judi on the 10th of Muharram. There are many other incidents that have been related historically, don't know how authentic they are, but they've been mentioned. But we know one thing for sure. And that is something that gives us a lot of hope. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguarded, He saved. He granted emancipation, freedom, liberation to the Bani Israel from the tyranny and the oppression of Fir'aun on the day of Ashura. When the Prophet وسلم, arrived to Medina Munawwara, he saw that the people that were there, the other nations that were there, they were fasting already. So he asked them that, what is this you're fasting on this day? He said, well, this is the day. They said, this is the day that Allah saved Musa السلام, and the children of Israel, the Bani Israel. He saved them from the tyranny of Fir'aun. This is why we fast on this day. We celebrate this day as a day of celebration. The Prophet وسلم, said, and there's two words that are narrated. We are more deserving of Musa than you are. We are more closer to Musa alayhi salam than you are. We venerate and honor Musa alayhi salam much more than any other religion or nation does. Therefore, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to the Sahaba that I want you to fast from today onwards. So a lot of them were fasting already prior to this in Makkah al-Mukarramah, even before Islam came. So this fast was continued. There was a deeper meaning to this now because this fast meant a fast of hope. A fast to show thanksgiving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that anybody that follows the instructions of Allah and the guidance of the Prophet of the time, those people will be successful. Anybody that turns away from this or innovates new ways within the religion, then they will be destroyed just like Fir'aun and his people were destroyed. And this was the key message. And this is what was being celebrated. And for this, the thanksgiving was that we keep a fast for the sake of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't end it there. He ﷺ said to the Sahaba, anybody who keeps this fast of one day, one day, 10th of Muharram is one day. Whoever fasts this one day, Allah will forgive the sins of the previous year. The whole year's sins are being forgiven just to fasting on one day. Now you could fast on any day of Muharram and that would be great for you, be significant. But if you're lazy like I am, okay, and if you're weak, and you just want to fast on the best day of the whole month, then fast on Monday, at least, that's the minimum. Now some of the Sahaba said, oh Prophet of Allah, there's other nations that fasted on this day as well. So should we be like, like we, we are, you know, we've got our integrity. We are confident with who we are. We don't need to copy somebody else. So the Prophet wasallam said, well, maybe next year, what you can do is you can couple the 10th with the 9th or with the 11th. And in that way, in that way, we can show that we are doing it differently in our own way. So those of you who want to combine the 9th with the 10th or the 11th with the 10th, that's also good as well. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. The Prophet ﷺ throughout his lifetime only fasted the 10th. 
He said, yes, if I was to live till the next year, I will combine. Now the reason for this combining a day before and a day after was because there were other nations that fasted on that day at that time. However, now that is no longer the issue. The other nations, they use the solar calendar. Now they're no longer following the lunar calendar for a lot of their practices. So that element doesn't exist anymore. So if anybody chose to fast only on the 10th, there'll be no dislike. You will be rewarded a huge reward. One of the greatest days in the Islamic calendar. Of course, because of the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu those of you who want to join the 9th on the 11th with it, or just the 9th with it, do so. You'll get plenty of reward. It's mustahab, it's preferable. It's something the Prophet Sallallahu expressed a desire to do so. Now, it didn't stop there. This particular fast went a level further. He Sallallahu went back into the tribe. And he went into the tribe and he made an announcement. He said, anybody that's already fasting today, on the 10th of Muharram, he made a note, anybody who's already fasting today, continue your fast. Continue your fast. Anybody who isn't fasting, well, you don't eat till the sun sets. Like maintain the habit of a fasting person until the evening. And then the Sahaba said that that was one day in the year where we would all fast. It was so significant because prior to Islam, fasting on Ashura was obligatory. Everybody had to fast. There was no Ramadan. When Ramadan came, the fasting of Ashura became cancelled. And then it was just fasting in the month of Ramadan. So what the Sahaba used to do, because they understood that Muharram is the month of Allah. They understood that each and every day is significant. And they understood that the reason why we fast on this particular day on the 10th of Muharram is because the Prophet ﷺ instructed us to. This is the key thing. He instructed us to fast. That's why we fast. Many events have happened. Ibrahim ﷺ was saved. I mean, Ismail and Ibrahim ﷺ was saved from the fire. Do we fast on that day? No. Ismail ﷺ was saved from being sacrificed. Do we fast on that day? The Prophet ﷺ went through many challenges in his life. And for example, the victory of Badr, do we fast on that day? Do we start celebrating? Do we start putting things up and just making a whole big deal out of it and hyping everybody up on those days? No, there are significant times in our Islamic history. There are great, there are many days where great and significant people passed away. For example, the Prophet ﷺ passed away. Omar bin Khattab, the second Khalifa of Islam, he was martyred. Uthman ibn Affan was martyred. However, we know them, we learn about them, but we will only do what we've been told by the Prophet ﷺ. Just because it's an event, that doesn't mean we have to celebrate it. It doesn't mean we have to fast on that day. Yes, we will only do it if we were told by the Prophet ﷺ. And that's what we find over here. The 10th of Muharram is a day. Number one, it's connected to the story of hope, where people who followed the truth, who are being persecuted, who felt that there was no one to listen to them. The tyranny of Fir'aun and his oppression was known, but they persevered and they stayed with Musa alayhi salam. Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed victory that the, and, and hope to the people on the truth. So that is why we thank Allah and we fast, number one. Secondly, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has told us the reward of fasting on this day. A whole year's sins will be forgiven. Number three, 
we also find that this is the month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, we will fast on this particular day. Number four, we look at the actions of the Sahaba. Those who were the first recipients of this message of Islam. How did, what did they do? Shall I tell you what they did? The Sahaba say in an authentic narration, they say that when this day would arrive, we would get wool, we'd get wool and we'd make toys. We'd create toys. You know, they didn't have things like we did. So with whatever they had, they, they would get wool. And out of wool, they would create toys. The hadith actually used the words toys. Why would they make toys? The reason why they would make toys is their young children, they would encourage them to fast on the 10th of Muharram. In Ramadan, you don't find this. In Ramadan, you don't find this because in Ramadan, the young children, they don't need to fast. But the 10th of Muharram was known to be a significant day and the blessings were such that everybody was told, everybody should try and fast. The men, the women, the young, the old. Again, there's no pressure on children. We're not going to force them, but we can encourage them. How did the Sahaba do it? Sahaba say that we would make these toys, right? And then we'd all fast. We'd get our little kids to fast as well. And when we go to the masjid, we take the children with us. Clearly mentioned the hadith. We take the young children with us. And mashallah to the parents today who brought young children with you. May Allah preserve your children. May Allah uh, reward you for bringing your children to the masjid. Please continue doing so. It's going to be a sad day when there's no children in the masjid. Because we do go to many masjids and you don't see any children. And the time comes when the elderly people will continue going and there'll be no children whatsoever. They are the ones who are going to be the leaders of tomorrow. So they say that we would take the children with us to the masjid. Now children are children. They're going to become hungry. Many a times a child, a child is crying. The child doesn't know why it's crying. Parents get angry and frustrated. Why is the child crying? Why is he playing up? It's very simple. He's hungry. That's all it is. It's hungry. And we kind of think, oh, you know, why is he being mischievous? Why is he playing up? Why is he when somebody comes or when I'm on the phone, they always say, no, it's not that. It's nothing to do with that. Children are not malicious by intent. Children are not spiteful. Children are innocent. It's a very natural thing. The child is hungry. And the Sahaba understood this. So this is why they made these preparations from before. They didn't just expect them. I said no, so it means no. That, that doesn't make sense to a child. You need to reason with them. You need to understand and come to their level and provide an alternative. This is haram. We can't do it. We are Muslims. We don't do this kind of stuff. Provide an alternative. Sahaba did this 1400 years ago. When it came to Ashura, they say we made toys with our own hands. We would take the children, we'd ask them, we'd make them fast. We wouldn't give them food. We'd take them to the masjid. On the, during the day, whilst we're at the masjid, the children would get cranky. They'd start having tantrums. They'd start crying. So that's when we'd pull out the toys. Sahaba, we'd pull out these toys that we'd made, woolen toys. I don't know how, what they look like exactly, but they pulled them out. And that would distract the children. And they would engage in playing with the toys until it would be sunset and they would have completed the whole fast in this manner. So prepare, we've got time, following the footsteps of Sahaba. This is a day we venerate because Rasulullah told us to. What's happened is this day has now been hijacked and people have introduced other things into this day which weren't introduced by the Prophet Ashura was the fast of Ashura existed in the time of Makkah. 
It was fasted by the Prophet on Sahaba and it continued afterwards. We know there was a very tragic event that took place on this day many years later. And that was the martyrdom of the grandson of Rasulullah Sayyiduna Imam Hussain This was a very tragic event. It was very sad. However, how many other sad events like this happened? Wasn't the passing of the Prophet also very sad? Wasn't the martyrdom of Uthman ibn Affan, Umar ibn Khattab, and many, many of the other great Sahaba, Sumayya radiallahu anha, the first woman to give her life for the sake of Islam. The Prophet wasallam, throughout his lifetime, he never ever commanded people to mourn the death, to cry, to whip, to beat yourself up, and then to create a day which is full of fabrication, full of hatred, hatred. This was supposed to be a day of hope. This is what we're saying, it's a day of hope. It's a day of hope. Allah is giving us this day. Why? Because those who are oppressed, they persevered. Allah granted them victory and success. It's a day of hope. It's telling you keep going despite your difficulties and your challenges in your life. You could be in a dark place right now. You could be struggling with your finances. You could have fallen out with your partner. You could have had some terrible things happen to you. But look at the Bani Israel. There are terrible things happening to them, but they persevered. And what happens? The day of Ashura comes to remind you that those people who remain on the truth, they will always succeed. The death of Imam Hussein wasn't failure. It was success. The happenings of this world don't determine victory and defeat. Victory and defeat we'll see on the day of judgment. If the happenings of this world determine victory and defeat, then Imam Hussein wouldn't have been martyred. So there's no use us crying and mourning and beating ourselves and then getting everybody hyped up every year. And these gatherings that are taking place every year, full of fabrication, full of hatred for the Sahaba, full of hatred for the people of Islam, that anybody who doesn't follow in and full of innovation, full of things that have not existed in Islam. We must stay away from this and remain on the truth. The only reason I repeat once again, we venerate the day of Ashura and we fast is because our Prophet ﷺ told us to. The Sahaba did it as well. And this is what Islam is. Islam is not something that you can come today and include and innovate and just fabricate something that you feel like doing because that's what happens every year. To make thousands of people cry endlessly for 10 days I mean, I, I could do that if I wanted to. I could tell you some really sad stories and I can fake crying here now as well and start beating myself up, okay? And every year I'd have to increase it. I'd have to give so much money and invest thousands and millions just to keep up the show. Those people who are amongst these groups who can see the truth and who can see through all of this fakeness and fabrication, they say as well that it's just a lie. It's just a fraud. It's not the truth. Islam is the religion of truth. The Quran is the truth. The Kaaba is the truth. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the truth. The Sahaba, all of them were the truth. Fasting on the day of Ashura is a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We find it in Bukhari, we find it in Muslim. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam fasted himself. And inshallah, you and I are also going to fast. Who's going to fast inshallah?
So at least we fast on the 10th, and if you can couple it with the day before and after, that is also significant as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.